Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley radio program. Glad you are back with us. I want to begin with a very personal tribute to someone we have lost here at WBT. You know, there are certain people who make a real imprint on you. First off, you may hear that person on the radio or see them on television. In this case, of course, it's radio. And it's somebody who just, there. you can just tell there's a presence about that person. This is the feeling I had at the very beginning about Jim Barrel. You just could feel there's something about this guy. He's just a, a good guy. You feel his heart as he communicates the news. And I heard him for years on this radio station before I ever worked here. And then when I met him, it was like confirmation. Everything that I sensed, it was right on the money. This guy was just the genuine article. By now you know Jim Barrow passed away yesterday at the very young age of 71. 71. Served as a reporter, afternoon anchor, news director. Three decades. Three decades. Covering the Jim Baker trial, Hurricane Hugo, U.S. Air Flight 1016. And it's hard to believe. I mean, there are certain people, they feel like, and, and I experienced this just from the time that I was on television. There are people, I think, think I was on television yesterday. Jim Barrow did his last newscast back in 2016. It's been eight years ago, but it doesn't feel like eight years ago. It's felt very much like it was just yesterday that we heard that great voice and we sense that same heart right here on this radio station. I want to share a couple of social media posts and then talk with someone who can provide us even more perspective on the man that we have lost. I was quite stunned yesterday when I saw on social media a series of posts, and I wanted to start with a post from Jim's sister. Because this was just three days ago. This is what's so jarring and sobering about it. Ellen posted this. Please send good thoughts and prayers for my brother, James Barrow, who's battling lymphoma. Even though it was caught early and very treatable at this point, he has an uphill battle ahead of him, presently in the hospital getting stabilized, so he can start chemo immediately. This was three, four days ago. And then we have this, one of the worst Facebook posts I will ever have to share. Very unexpectedly, my beloved brother, James Barrow, passed away from mast cell lymphoma that he was just diagnosed with. It was expected to be extremely treatable and also extremely aggressive. He just turned 71. We all thought he had years. My parents lived much longer than that. We all are extremely heartbroken. There's no way I would have been able to see him on time, but I got to speak softly for a short time through my niece's speakerphone. And then a post that also definitely pulls your heartstrings from Amy. I will miss this man so much. He passed from an exceedingly aggressive mantle cell lymphoma. He was completely healthy a month ago. I am the luckiest person in the world to have called him my father. Here to provide some perspective on the man we have lost, who uh, I'm sure is stunned and shaken just like we all are, is our good friend Bo Thompson back with us. Uh, Bo, uh, welcome to the broadcast this morning. Hey, Vince. Uh, normally I'd be 
there in studio, but I had an appointment this morning, so I'm calling from the car. But, yeah, I mean, any of us who worked during the Jim Barrel era were shocked and are shocked today, but I think I want to turn that right around and say how lucky we were to work during the Jim Barrel era. And think about uh, how grateful I know we all are, because we worked during an era where not just Jim Barrel was in the afternoon, but you had John Stokes in the morning, and you had two voices that were really the, the broadcast day, the connectors of all of us who've come and gone. They were the constants, and you've heard so many outpourings of remembrances, but a lot of people who never knew Jim Barrel felt like they knew Jim Barrel, and I think that really speaks to who he was more than anything else. They felt like they knew him because uh, he was just a, an inviting, calming, uh, and and so incredibly professional voice for so many years. Absolutely. Uh, there was just something uh, reassuring about that voice, wasn't it? Absolutely. And to know him on the air uh, was to know him off the air. Uh, the thing about Jim that I, I've noticed all morning is so many people talking about experiences they had with him, and you know, very little of it had to do with uh, radio sometimes. I, I had a colleague who worked with me for about three or four years when I, I started working full-time in 1997, and I read her uh, one of her posts today, Lauren Fox, who is now Lauren Pardue. But she and I worked with Jim for a little while, and, and the things she, she said about Jim, about how he kept in touch with her and followed her long after she left the radio station, just sort of reinforces the kind of guy that he was. Yes, it was about broadcasting, but it was about that uh, as my partner always says, that human connection, as Beth likes to say, that um, it was much more about radio. It was about friendship and just a goodwill from a person who um, was a man of the Lord and, 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 and a man that stood behind what he said. And that's what you're describing is really the legacy of Jim Burrow, isn't it? It's the consistency of what we heard on the air, what came across, and who he was in person. Absolutely. And um, I know that you're going to uh, play the, the tribute piece that I put together yesterday afternoon for him. Uh, I'm not going to sit here, and, and I know you won't either, and say we were the guys that worked the closest with Jim during his years at BT, but uh, Jim was that sort of ever-present voice and, 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 and guy that you always saw in the hall. And you know, Occasionally he'd work in the morning in place of John Stokes, and occasionally I'd find my way to the afternoon. But you and I always knew the constant of not just the radio voice, but of the, as the connector, one of those connecting pieces at one Julian Price place that, you know, you never met anybody. And this is cliche to say sometimes, but in this case, it's, it's the, the definition of a guy that nobody ever said a cross word about. And um, it's because he, he did not have any enemies, as far as I knew. Absolutely. So we, uh, we are all very um, just very shocked by uh, this loss, but at the same time, and I, and I appreciate the way you've described this, Bo, that, that we are so thankful for having experienced um, having him in these studios and getting to know him as a person over these years, and, and we so appreciate that legacy that will carry on. Uh, certainly, uh, many years down the road, we will certainly remember him. Bo Thompson, thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast this morning and we're going to share your tributes uh, coming up um, thanks a lot for coming on sir thank you Vince uh, it's an honor when we continue the broadcast you will hear what uh, Bo has put together and Bo does that's one of the things I just want to thank Bo for is just uh, just how quickly he um, I don't know how to characterize Bo and his role at the station but he is the official chronicler of everything at this radio station, and he does such an extraordinary job of that. His tribute to Jim Barrow is coming up right here on the Vince Coakley radio program. We've started off our broadcast paying tribute to Jim Barrow, a man we lost yesterday. And we are all just absolutely stunned by this loss. Jim passed away at the age of 71. And as I mentioned, Bo Thompson did an extraordinary job just telling the story of this man's life. 
Without further ado, here is his um, summary of the life of a man who really impacted us here at News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. For over three decades, the voice of newsman Jim Barrell was a welcome daily fixture on WBT. We bring you news every 30 minutes, whenever it breaks, and anytime at WBT.com. I'm Jim Barrell, News Talk 1110, WBT. His inviting style was unmistakable, respected, and dependable. He arrived at one Julian Price place in 1985. WBT was really where I wanted to be, right? and I, and I knew a lot about its reputation being the first station down here and uh, it was it was great to finally be a, a member of the news team here over the course of 31 years behind the microphone at the anchor desk and out on the reporting beat if it was a big story the odds were good Jim Barrell was covering it this is Jim Barrell I'm with WBT radio in Charlotte yes are you one of the people who are uh, holding the hostages yes, are. could you tell me why you're doing it because we have information that could put Hubert Stone, the, of the Sheriff's Department here in Norman, away for a long time. And is this a is this a conflict between the the Indians and the local uh, police establishment? Yes, it is. Uh, as you just heard, Jim Baker found guilty on all 24 counts in his fraud and conspiracy trial. H.A. will have more in the new news. Thank you very much. I appreciate that and that immediacy which WBT News is always a part of. The jury is coming back in. Something's going to happen. The jury returns unanimous verdict not guilty of the first degree murder of Sharika Adams. It's 105. Good morning. I'm Scott Kilgore in the WBT Storm Center, continuing to bring you extended coverage on Hurricane Hugo. Hugo has come ashore. It came ashore near Charleston around the Isle of Palms. That happened at about midnight. When the eye moved ashore, the storm was packing sustained winds of 135 miles an hour. Just north of Charleston in Georgetown is WBT's Jim Barrel. Our wind gauge got blown off the roof here of the uh, Georgetown the County Courthouse about an hour ago, so we really can't tell at this point how strong the winds are. The last recorded uh, gust that we got was somewhere in the vicinity of about 80, and that was, as I say, about an hour ago. Uh, all, we can do, all we can tell is that uh, the wind is blowing very, very hard. You can't really see anything outside now because it's, it's so dark. Uh, there's no power really anywhere except for the emergency power that's on in this building. So if you look out the window, you just see the silhouettes of trees blowing and very little else. And, of course, you hear the, the high, gusty winds, and uh, you can see some of the rain as you open the door, and the light from inside is shining on the drops as they blow horizontally. WBT's Jim Barrell is at the computer right now with the latest information. Jim? WBT Election Central. We're still waiting for that last precinct, which is, as uh, Bill Culp told us, precinct number 54, uh, to determine uh, the outcome of the Sue Myrick-Harvey-Gantt race, which appears to be determined already, with uh, Sue Myrick 51% of the vote, Harvey-Gantt 49% of the vote. We'll pitch it back to John Stokes here. Jim, if you've got any information uh, on uh, other races in Cornelius, Davidson, Huntersville, Matthews, Pineville, uh, other places like that, have those uh, started to come in yet? Yeah, some of, some of those have been extremely slow getting into the computer, but we do have some. 47,310 for Sue Myrick, 46,300 for Harvey Gantt, and what we've been calling uh, tonight is a huge, huge upset in the race for the mayor of Charlotte. Can Jim hear us? Uh, yes, he Jim, can. Jim, if, what do you do? You have the finals yet on the at-large council? Yes, we do. They're, those are all in now. I'll run those down again. Al Russo was a top vote getter. Now this is for four seats on council. Al Russo was the number one uh, candidate with 17 uh, percent. Richard Vinroot, 16 percent. Gus Campbell, John A. Gus Campbell, third with 15. Just joining us. The news is that a DC-9, uh, a U.S. Air DC-9, is what we've heard. Uh, flight number 1016 went down with 55 people on board, five crew, 50 passengers, originating in Columbia, uh, flying into Charlotte. Came in in uh, a brief thunderstorm that popped up in the area at the time, which was shortly before seven o'clock. Uh, for whatever reason, the pilot was asked to go around again, uh, a routine procedure, and on the go-around, that is, uh, uh, instead of landing, he uh, gave it power and started back up again. That's when he uh, he crashed into a field not far from Wallace Neal. Uh, we've had uh, various reports from eyewitnesses of uh, people coming from the scene. There was one uh, person who said he saw a man whose clothing was on fire. They helped him. There have been other reports of people taken alive and talking from the scene of the crash. Okay, we're going to go back to Brad Schultz now, who's on the scene. Brad? We just finished a quick briefing here from Jerry Orr, who's the aviation director. Uh, he did confirm to us 
uh, those buses are being used to bring the injured out. As for numbers, uh, we, we quizzed him again and again and again as to how many people may have died in this uh, crash of uh, flight 1016, and we're being told that at least 10 people are dead. The number was hovering also right around... Looks like a couple of the uh, solid rocket boosters uh, blew away from the side of the shuttle in an explosion. Flight controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. You talk about uh, the Challenger. I just moved here from Orlando like three months earlier, and it was the first launch since I'd left Orlando, and I'd covered a lot of space launches. I was just watching it, and they cut away about 15 seconds before the thing blew up. You know, say, okay, I'm uh, Rob Navius, uh, Kennedy Space Center, uh, they're headed to orbit. And we were sort of watching, and then suddenly the thing blew up. And, And we were all in the newsroom, and for about 30 seconds, nobody said anything. We were just sort of watching. And finally, somebody said, we better get this on the air because we'd already broken away. Coverage was over. You know, everybody thought the thing was going. And at that point, I think for the first time in my life, uh, I had to get on and say something. about. I remember my voice actually breaking because I was the emotion. Yeah, I couldn't help it. It was just it was talking about, you know, you heard the shuttle go up a few minutes ago and which just exploded. And then you cut over to the, the coverage from the network as they follow up and everything. But you, you are affected by it in the anchor chair. It's a little bit different when you have to go out and cover it. You know, you're gathering information, following up on stories. Uh, and both of them are difficult to do. But at the same time, you're involved in the act of gathering the news to make sure that people find out quickly about what's happening. And, you know, you try to do as good a job as you can getting the information to people. And that's mainly what it's all about. James E. Jim Barrell passed away on the morning of Monday, February 5th, 2024, following a short battle with cancer. Uh, If you had to have the microphone for a moment, the platform to talk to those who listened to you over the years and uh, you became so so much a part of their lives. Uh, is there something you'd like to say to those people, uh, a message to them? Well, we get phone calls uh, in between those newscasts and over the course of 30 years, you talk to a heck of a lot of people, some of them the same people, but they're all nice. Well, okay, not all. <laughs> <laughs> Most Depends of, on the story. Predominantly, and, and I'm sure there's some out there that I talked to over the years, and uh, some of them are gone now, but they're representative of the audience out there. But you, you never know how many people are actually listening. And, and so when you hear from some of them, you feel like, okay, they're representative of a certain segment of the listenership out there. And, and when they have nice things to say and give you positive feedback, uh, that's good. Even the negative feedback, a lot of times you deserve it, you know. But um, it's just nice to hear from people. The, if they didn't care, then I'd that's be worse. worse. Yeah. That's worse, yes. <laughs> so when they they take the time to call, and they always did. You know, we, we didn't even have time to answer the phone as much as we would like to have. But uh, just the people, just our listeners, you know, they tune in, and, they, and they're the, the folks that are bread and butter, you know. So, And they're just like us. And so you, you, you're really trying to cater to people that are just human beings like, like we are. And, and that's the bottom line. As I said earlier, Jim was hired in the mid-'80s by Jefferson Pilot Communications. He was an early newsman for John Boy and Billy when they were on WBCY. He became a dedicated reporter, a longtime afternoon anchor, and eventually WBT news director. His last newscast for The Great Colossus was in 2016. But most importantly, Jim would tell you he was a husband, he was a father, and a man of God. Thank you, Jim. And heaven, you have a new anchor tonight. Jim Merrill, News Talk 1110, WBT. Wow. And we again thank Bo Thompson for doing such an extraordinary job in putting that together. And we are so thankful and appreciative for Jim Barrel, the life he shared with us here at WBT. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, and you heard in the news, breaking news, in a very important case that will have quite an impact 
on the 2024 presidential election, an appeals court has rejected Donald Trump's immunity claim in a federal election interference case. A three-judge panel in the U.S. Court of Appeals has rejected this claim of presidential immunity. The judges heard arguments in early January on Trump's efforts to dismiss the case on immunity grounds. Last week, after waiting nearly a month for the appellate court's decision, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin postponed the March 4th start date for Trump's trial. Now, this case, Donald Trump has already pleaded not guilty back in August to charges of undertaking a criminal scheme to overturn the results of the 2020 election. He sought to dismiss this case on the grounds he was a person who has absolute immunity from prosecution for actions taken while serving in the nation's highest office. But now, the appeals court has taken up the matter after the Supreme Court in December denied special counsel Jack Smith's request to immediately take up Trump's claims of immunity declining to grant a writ of a writ before judgment, meaning it would allow a federal appeals court to hear the matter first, which is what Trump's team had been seeking. Smith wanted the Supreme Court to step in and quickly rule. But this issue now may still end up before the Supreme Court, depending on how this appeal plays out. But for right now, There is nothing that keeps this election interference case from going forward, and so it will. A little bit later on, we will talk about more as the 2024 campaign unfolds, including the presidential choice for vice president. Who will be that person? Who do you want it to be? Who's a person could actually fill out this ticket? And I would suspect largely what Donald Trump is going to be looking for is someone who can give him some strength with these suburban voters that he lost in 2020. He's not going to do that alone. And frankly, I've not seen a darn thing that he's done to win those folks over. So he's going to have to bring a person who can bring those people. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people are speculating that ultimately he may end up choosing Nikki Haley because she does well with those voters. And I know I can hear a collective yawn or maybe even retching (laughs) when I mention her name. But hey, it's reality. Let's first come closer to home. This story still blows my mind. You heard this in the news, and it's somewhat amusing to hear, but it's really serious business. And I think if you've been watching what's going on in some other major cities, you understand why this is serious business. Criminal penalties coming back for public urination, defecation, and other lewd acts in the city of Charlotte. The Public Safety Committee voted 3-2 to two to restore criminal consequences. These were decriminalized by state law back in 2021. Right now, you just get a $50 ticket for these things. Now, the City Council is going to act on this next week. These penalties for open containers, public defecation, urination, engaging in lewd acts... Now, some city council members said they hope restoring these penalties will help CMPD deal with large crowds. And there's the legitimate concern that's been raised about bathrooms. You remember, I said something about this. Obviously, I'm not going to do anything on the street. But I made this observation when I went to Seattle on New Year's Eve for twenty, the end of 2022 and into 23. That was one of my frustrations. They have such a problem with vagrants and with people doing illicit drugs in bathrooms. You're you're hard-pressed to find public bathrooms. And it's the same thing. Uh, I remember talking with Seattle police, and they were like, you know, I asked them, what do you guys do? 
I said, we just hold it. So this is one of the challenges that's going to have to be addressed. And it will. Apparently the city is going to add portable toilets on North College and 11th Streets for up to six months. (laughs) They also want to buy restrooms from the Portland Loo. It's an organ company that offers single-stall restrooms designed for people who are homeless. So the question is whether the county is going to allow this on their property. What do you think about this? Are you pleased that this proactive step is being taken now to maybe head off Charlotte becoming San Francisco, (laughs) where people do this stuff and it's just out of control? Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, dealing with our city issues. Have we reached a point where we're addressing some of these issues that we were talking about early enough? Or are we already far down that road? I would like to believe that we are early in this process and will not face the issues that are right now dogging other cities i'm going to save the presidential stuff for the next hour because we've got some really things uh, important things to share with you let me just tell you one thing i one of the things i appreciate is thought i really enjoy people bringing things for people to consider to think about, to ponder. And to be honest with you, one of the problems is all too many times we're not doing very much of this. We're, you know, we can blame the liberals all we want for being people driven by emotion. But the truth of the matter is that many of us on the so-called right have the very same issue i see it all the time so i'm going to give you some very interesting and thoughtful things to consider coming up in the next hour including a commentary from one of my favorite people you know one of the perspectives i think that is least evident in our media is libertarianism. It's really not represented well in the media. I would like to see more libertarians and hear more libertarians. And in some cases, fewer Democrats and Republicans. Because I think a lot of these folks have some, some good ideas that need to be considered and It's a perspective, frankly, that is not heard by a lot of people. And the reason is we tend to, uh, you know, kind of lock ourselves into one category or another. And along the way, we don't hear people who have views that may be very close to where we are, but not necessarily the same. So, I hope that you will appreciate what is shared coming up in the next hour as much as I have certainly appreciated it. Let's talk about what's going on in cities. You know by now the mess that is New York City. And this is all exacerbated by the ongoing issue with our border. Because we don't have border enforcement, we have migrants who are placing a burden on these cities. Now, somebody's going to have to pay for all of this. Now, as you know, ultimately, 
this ends up being the taxpayer. Now, it's kind of interesting because a lot of these folks really, you know, kind of put in their minds, uh, had in their minds, you know, this is an issue for those folks down in Texas and in California. You know, we don't have to worry about the border. And many of them have complained because we have the Florida governor and the Texas governor sending migrants to other places. And now they figured out, oh, this is a problem. Well, it's been a problem down there for quite some time. So how do you deal with these issues? Well, get a load of this. New York City is going to distribute prepaid debit cards to migrant families as part of a new pilot program to help them buy food and baby supplies. The prepaid debit cards will be supplied to an initial 500 migrant families with children to use exclusively to buy food and baby supplies at grocery stores, supermarkets, and convenience stores. They'll be used in place of New York City's current system, providing non-perishable food boxes to migrant families staying in hotels. This is allegedly a cost-saving measure, according to Mayor Eric Adams' office. The mayor's office saying not only will this provide families with the ability to purchase fresh food for their culturally relevant diets and the baby supplies of their choosing, the pilot program expected to save New York City more than $600,000 per month or more than $7.2 million annually. They'll have to sign an affidavit affirming they will use the cards for their intended purposes. Anyone who violates the terms risks being removed from the pilot program. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just like the other commitments they made, you know, to show up in court and they just disappear into the country. This is what's happening in one city. Coming up, we're going to tell you what's happening in the city of Chicago where people are clamoring, and including the media, clamoring for the mayor. To go down to the border to figure out what's going on, what's happening to this country. His response is just mind-boggling. You're going to hear that much more. We'll talk presidential politics for 2024 as well as we continue our Tuesday broadcast. Stay with us. Hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Tuesday. We're going to talk some presidential politics coming up. We'll have one more city story to tell you about. This one in the city of Chicago. First, let's take a quick call here from Ron. Good morning, Ron, and welcome. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, doing well. Um, I just got your... I want to know your thoughts on... Nikki Haley and her not pulling out of the race as it relates to the Supreme Court decision on Donald Trump uh, to the Colorado being removed from the ballot. To me, she may be hanging in there until that decision is made because if they allow him to be pulled from the Colorado ballot, there's, what, 11 other states that's wanting to pull him? And that he may not be able to get the nomination with that amount of states not being able to vote for him, and she'd be the lone wolf left. See, uh, this is one of the things that kind of disturbed me. Uh, for instance, why uh, the the Florida governor got out of this race? I'm thinking to myself, there's a lot that can happen between now and the convention. I mean, you've raised a good point here. This is just one of those angles. So I you know I I'm I've been very clear I am not a Nikki Haley fan but she is thinking something strategically that's causing her to stay in this thing and if she ends as you described if she ends up being the last person standing um who's going to stop her That's right I mean because if Trump's removed from Colorado ballot um, I, I don't see how he gets the nomination, uh, and and she's it. So, and they have this, uh, they have 
come out. Supreme Court has already said that they will make a decision before Super Tuesday. So I think she'll hang in there at least till Super Tuesday. Yeah, you're, until that decision is made. You're probably right. You're probably right. And even beyond that, you also have to consider all of these court cases. And uh, either one of these court cases goes south. Um, you've got a whole new ball game. And the question is, what is the what is the Republican backup plan? They don't have one because everybody has bowed the knee, except for Nikki Haley, to Donald Trump. So you've got yep. everybody who's put all of their eggs in this one basket, and I would dare say leaky basket. So, um, hey, very much appreciate your call, Ron. You have brought up a point, which is one we darn well better consider here in the coming months. Okay. Appreciate your call. Keep up the good work. Hey, thank you very much. Before we talk more about presidential politics, let's talk about cities. We told you about what's happening in New York City with the prepaid debit cards for migrants. They've also got problems going on in the city of Chicago. (laughs) I mean, it, it is funny to watch these people who have done all this virtue signaling about we are accepting, we are... Uh, uh, we're just such wonderful people because we're sanctuary cities. It's no longer sexy, is it? When you get a bill and you don't know how you're going to pay for this. The Chicago Sun-Times has an interesting story about the relatively new mayor and his plan to visit the U.S.-Mexico border to assess the migrant situation. Saying the situation's serious. He's met with Mexican officials already. They had 14 buses of migrants arriving in the city last week on Wednesday. And eight more were on the way. Steady stream. So the mayor, Brandon Johnson is planning to make his own trip to the Mexican border as soon as he can arrange it with his wife and kids. And there's a reason I'm mentioning this. He wants to see for himself the unfolding disaster creating havoc and hardship in Chicago. He said 2,500 or so families who are seeking asylum reach the southern tip of Mexico. By the time they get to the northern tip of Mexico, right on the border of our country, that 2,500 amasses to anywhere from 7,500 to 10,000. This is serious. And speaking of last Wednesday, by mid-afternoon, 14 buses had arrived in Chicago amid word that up to eight more might be on the way. More than 17,000 asylum seekers have arrived in the city since last year. They've had to put up a brand new shelter every single week. Every single week. And he's talking about the tremendous sacrifice this is for the people of Chicago. Now he's blaming the Republican Party for part of this. Of course he is. The fact that they are busing people up there from Texas, for instance. This is the same party that tried to overturn an election. You can't put anything past these individuals. They want to punish Chicago for being the greatest freaking city in the world. We're going to make sure we're showing up for people who've needed the government to respond to their critical needs for generations now. That's why I'm making sure we have mental health services. Bringing Chicago home. Abolishing the sub-minimum wage. He goes on rattling about this and rattling about that. And part of the concern of what's going on is there are folks, and this is interesting, the us versus them debate is no surprise to Johnson. He cautioned reporters not to misinterpret the tension. I know where I live. I know how many schools have been shut down in Austin, mental health clinics. Administration after administration is taken away from black people, not mine. When individuals say black folks want what migrants want, that's not true. It's not. Black folks want what they deserve. Oh, isn't that interesting? Why am I bringing race into this? Well, listen to Mayor Johnson when he was challenged on the question as to why he's not visited the border already. Listen up. I have children who attend schools who have soccer games, y'all. 
You know, you all are asking me as if I'm not a parent in this city. I get it. I'm mayor. I get it. But you're asking me to give you a date. Do you understand that you have not had a mayor like me? I get that. I have a wife. I have children. They have schedules. And plus, we still have public safety that we have to address. We still have the unhoused that we have to address. I still have a budget that I have to address. And I'm doing all of that with a black wife raising three black children on the west side of the city of Chicago. I am going to the border as soon as possible. Why is it necessary that he tells us he has a black wife and black children? Why? I mean, this was a bizarre clip. But this is the nature of things now. <laughs> he had to let us know about this. <laughs> ah, these are weird times. And these are very weird people, aren't they? I thought you would be amused as I was by this comment from the mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson. At least we don't have to listen to Beetlejuice anymore. Still to come in the broadcast, we'll talk presidential politics. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Presidential politics. Who? Who? is going to be Donald Trump's choice for vice president. Well, one name is floated in a conversation with Maria Bartiroma. You're going to hear that conversation. And you're also going to hear a perspective that I have shared in some form, but I've not come out as forcefully as one of my favorite libertarian commentators has. You're going to hear her take on what's happened to the entire Republican Party. And do you remember little Haley Joel Osment saying, I see dead people? Well, guess what? You have a president who talks to dead people. Twenty minutes after eleven o'clock, the Vince Coakley radio program. Isn't it interesting to hear what's going on in some of these cities as they deal with the consequences of an open border? I've said to you before, I, I mince no words here. What is going on in Washington, DC is absolutely criminal. We have a runaway government. If I had the ability to do it, if we had the ability to do it. I wish the states would come together today and maybe even have trials. Maybe even put some of these folks on trial for what they have done for their malfeasance, especially the financial aspect of this. Here we are over $30 trillion in debt. I mean, think about it. The people who created this mess, do you think they're going to fix it. I mean, I don't even hear conversations about fixing it at all. I believe that we're at a place of profound distraction in this country. We're distracted away from talking about the things that really matter. And unfortunately, a good part of our time and attention is focused on one person especially on the Republican side. I want to share with you a piece of audio. This is an interview that was conducted by Maria Bartiroma. She is trying to find out who might be the running mate for Donald Trump. Who might that person be? Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. Because I, again, I think this is a continuation of, of humiliation, of dehumanizing behavior that we have just come to accept. And the person he's speaking of, and, and can I just shout from the housetops, I hope this man does not agree to become his running mate. I don't think it's going to be offered to him anyway. 
But I want you to listen to this conversation about one of the possible choices for VP. Listen up. You know, I called Tim Scott this so because a lot of people like Tim Scott. I called him and I said, you're a much better candidate that for me than you are for yourself. When I watched him, he was fine. He was good, but he was very low key, et cetera, et cetera. I watched him in the last week defending me and sticking up for me and fighting for me. I said, man, I said, you're a much better person for me than you are for yourself, because for himself, he was low key. For me, he's been he's been a real tiger. He's been incredible. And others have, too. Uh, so maybe it's Tim Scott. Well, it could be. It could be a lot of people. But it was interesting. I was watching Tim. I've been watching, you know, for a while. I watched him campaign as a candidate. But I watched him over the last two weeks. Uh, as you know, he endorsed me, fully endorsed me, gave me a beautiful endorsement. And he has been really strong in terms of that. No, but that has nothing to do. I don't want anybody to take even any inference. But it's incredible. Oh, my gosh. This is awful. I don't know how many of you paid attention to Tim Scott on the campaign trail. Especially that first message. You know, I heard in Tim Scott... I heard kind of an echo of a Ronald Reagan, an optimistic type message. I heard something that really deeply inspired me. Now, right after this, I want you to listen to this commentary. This is from S.E. Cup. Now, she did this commentary right after... Tim Scott endorsed Donald Trump. I want you to listen to this carefully because I think her message about Tim Scott and other people is right on the money. These men and this party are being systematically emasculated. Listen up. So it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. Former President Donald Trump's got a blank space and he'll write your name if you suck up to him. South Carolina, Senator Tim Scott's presidential run didn't go anywhere. Despite spending millions, he never went above 4% in an average of polls, and he was outlasted by other competitors, including his home state rival, Nikki Haley. As governor there, she appointed him senator in 2012, and you'd think that that would result in some allegiance to Haley, but nope. Turns out Scott is just as craven and cowardly as the rest of the Republican Party. On Friday, Scott joined Trump in New Hampshire to endorse his run for president and kiss the ring. It was quite the sight to behold. Trump invited a grinning Scott to join him on stage at a rally, but not before he humiliated him, as Trump is wont to do. Today was a big story, the biggest story out there. He's engaged to be married. We never thought this was going to happen. What's going on? An immature jab at his bachelor status. How nice of the former president to repay Scott's loyalty with a bigoted joke right to his face. Trump also used Scott as a pawn to take a jab at Haley. Did you ever think that she actually appointed you, Tim? And think of it, appointed and you're the senator of his state and she endorsed me. You must really hate her. And how courageous of Scott to brush it off preen on stage and offer up to Trump. I just love you. No, that's <laughs> It was just last spring when Scott was at a kickoff event for his presidential campaign and asked. Victimhood or victory? Victory! Grievance or greatness? Well, what a difference a loss makes. This, ladies and gentlemen, is yet another glowing example of the great emasculation of the GOP by Donald Trump, where grown men throw themselves at a guy who has smeared and slammed them in hopes of becoming his VP? How does this happen? How does Trump spend months bashing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as someone who'd be working at a pizza parlor, if not for him? He'd be working in a pizza shop. And then get DeSantis's endorsement minutes after he drops out. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. This isn't new, of course. Remember how Trump slammed Texas Senator Ted Cruz's wife? 
and how he falsely accused his father of helping assassinate John F. Kennedy? His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I call him Little Marco, Little Marco. How he mocked Florida Senator Marco Rubio for his height, his education, his ears. How he called Kentucky Senator Rand Paul a spoiled brat without a properly functioning brain. All those guys ended up endorsing Trump in 2016. Yes, Trump's got a long list of ex-lovers. They'll tell you he's insane, but he knows the players, the GOP sycophants who can't seem to stand up to him for more than a minute, and apparently they love the game. Maybe it's true that boys only want Trump's love if it's torture. And for all of us watching this nightmare dressed like a daydream, it's pretty torturous. We'll have to see if they ever learn that the loyalty usually only flows one way and that Trump's love is fleeting. He can make the bad guy good for a weekend, but when it's over, was the high worth the pain? And that is the question. Essie Cup, she's brilliant. She is absolutely brilliant. And for the record, I loved the old Tim Scott. What did he say? He's delivering a message rejecting grievance and victimhood. That's what this entire message of Donald Trump is. It's grievance. It's just mind-boggling to watch as people have just thrown themselves at this man. Now, some people are saying, well, here you go, Trump bash. No, it's not Trump bashing. I'm telling you, we are watching the systematic destruction of a political party. We're watching, one by one, people I thought had some potential at leadership. They are basically emasculating themselves. I don't know about you. I'm not impressed. I think we're in big trouble if we don't turn this around. Okay, I think if you're driving, you might want to pull off the road. I cannot believe what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> uh, this is a shocker. It really is. We've been telling you in recent days how the Uniparty is working at this very moment to betray you again with another comprehensive immigration reform package, right? Well, get a load of this. Breitbart is reporting Mitch McConnell has turned against the border bill. He's made the shocking decision to recommend Republicans block the advancement of the Senate pro-migration border bill. They're going to need 60 votes. They ain't going to get it now. They won't get 60 votes. The first procedural vote was set for tomorrow. It's unknown if Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will forge ahead, but it's likely. McConnell cited the overwhelming number of Senate Republicans planning to vote against the measure, either on substance or because they wanted more time. Previously, he's spoken in favor of this deal and did not express any personal hesitations about the legislation to his colleagues. But he said the political mood in the country has changed since negotiations started months ago. At that time, McConnell and Democrat leaders agreed to pair foreign aid to Ukraine of which McConnell's the Senate's greatest, greatest champion, with a border compromise. I got news for you, Mitch McConnell. Nothing's changed in the past few months. We've been in the same place for years. And only a senile old fool like yourself would not get that. This just blows my mind. I mean, it's hilarious. You know what's happened. They are hearing from you, and they know you're not happy. They know you're not happy. So keep the heat on. And I'm talking about, I don't mind calling them out. People like Senator Tom Tillis. Keep the pressure on. See how this guy votes. Lindsey Graham. Anyway. And then we have Mr. Magoo again. You know, I, I was watching this with a friend of mine uh, earlier today, and, I, and I'm just, it just blows my mind. 
that here we are, the greatest country in the world, and we have the man you're about to hear who really does not know where he is. I, I'm my mind is blown when I when I heard this I thought this this really did he really just say what he said yes he did so without further ado here is your president Mr. Magoo fresh off the shuffleboard court making reference to his interaction with someone who has been dead for years. Listen up. You know, I, right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. I was in, it was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? And I looked at him, and the, and the Chancellor of Germany said, what would you say, Mr. President, if you picked up the paper tomorrow in the London Times, and the London Times said, a thousand people break through the House of Commons, break down the doors, two bobbies are killed in order to stop the election of the Prime Minister, what would you say? I never thought about it from that perspective. What would we say if that happened in another democracy around the world? You see what he's trying to do here. This is yet another attempt to beat the drum on January 6th. The only problem is, here's Joe Biden making reference to Francois Mitterrand. Do you know when Francois Mitterrand passed away? It was 1996. And he's telling us he's having a conversation with this guy in 2021. And you heard him. He didn't even know what country he's from. He starts making reference to Germany and then France. At least he got the country right eventually. And then starts all this babbling. Trying to compare. You know, imagine if something like January 6th happened in England. Oh. It's amazing how people can try to turn attention away from themselves. And clearly this man needs to look in the mirror. Well, it, it's not even a matter. I hate to say this. But I think Mr. Biden is a point where he doesn't know where he's at. He does not know his level of impairment. And you know what happens when you reach that point? People around you who care are supposed to take care of you. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this again. I'm going to say this loud and clear. The people around this man do not give a rat's ass about him at all. His wife doesn't care. The cabinet doesn't care. The Democrat Party doesn't care. They're going to watch this guy continue to disintegrate right in front of us and in front of our friends and enemies around the world, and they don't care at all. I'm telling you, we need to pray for this country. When you have people who can do that, right in front of the world, and they have no conscience about this whatsoever, you know, say whatever you want about Joe Biden. There's something worse than Joe Biden. It's the sick people around him Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Tuesday. I want to quickly uh, get to some of your calls, I promise. If you're on hold, hold on just a moment. I have to share a couple of things on social media first. This, this message from Chris. Hallelujah, Vince. Well said. Amen. My comments right before the break, I assume, on our current president. We also have this. A person taking offense at my S.E. Cup commentary I played. Vince, you are ridiculous and getting worse by the day. Like me, I'm sure that most of your listeners don't follow your political commentary seriously. 
your silly psychoanalysis of the Republican candidates borders on the absurd. I would just ask you, by the way, if you have an alternative view for what I'm describing, why don't you tell me? Why don't you explain this behavior? Why everybody is genuflecting to one man? If you can explain that to me, I will agree with you. Also, you need to do your homework. Essie Cup is a liberal CNN commentator that defected from your Republican Party years ago. Apparently, she couldn't get a gig in conservative media, so she followed the money and is now bashing your party daily. For my money, there isn't a Republican Party. They've joined the Democrats in the Uniparty. And now it's them, corrupt, evil, big government versus us. Trying to make America great again. Wake up. The nightmare is over. Really? It's over? All right. Appreciate your message there, Thomas. Feel free to call anytime, by the way. I'd love to have a conversation. Let's go first to Vernon. Good morning, Vernon, and welcome. Yeah, this is Vernon. I, I'm a, I, I like Donald Trump. Yes, and we've I talked before. I tell you I like him. And what I want people to do is pray for the man. That's when a good you, idea. We need somebody to do something. The Supreme Court and everything else is against that border. You can't stop nothing. There ain't nothing stopped up there. It it's just a mess. keeps on going. You know it, and I know it. Isn't it crazy? And it's... I want you. Hey, I go to church. I live for God, and I care. I care about America. They've been many a boy died for this country, and it, it's just a day. It's a pitiful time we live in. And I'm women, gonna tell you what and... I believe. I believe the church is going to be raptured, and that Antichrist is going to come on the scene. You think it's going to happen soon? Yes, sir. Ray. They say okay. it's going to happen. Okay, I, people are really praying. These people suffering, Vince. These people are going through hard times. I know. I got I hear a you. family. I got four boys and three girls. And people say they won't work. Man, all my youngins work. I got a wonderful family. I buried my wife seven weeks ago, oh, and I'm, I'm a blessed man. She's in a better world. I'm sorry to hear of I, your I, loss, man, sir. Don't be sorry. Just thank God she's gone. She's in a better world. And Vince, I'm going to tell you, I'm looking for the Lord to come. I believe that's all the hope we got. You know, I'm trying to remember. There's a phrase a guy used ago, years ago. He said, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the overtaker. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Do you like that one? Boy, I, I love I, I that. Thought, I am I thought, too, Vince. I, I thought, appreciate you. I appreciate you. I thought you'd appreciate that. you talk about. They're interesting. Well, thank you, Vernon. And I, and I say I thank God for a man. I talk about his mama. Well, thank you. I appreciate that's a man. Thank you, you for your call. Vince, and I appreciate you letting me talk. You too. God bless you, Vernon. Yeah, and same to you, buddy. And bye-bye. I love hearing. From, I really do. Seriously, love hearing from Vernon. Let's quickly go to Larry. Larry, I uh, once talk about Mitch McConnell. What are your thoughts, Larry? Yeah, yeah, I liked your Breitbart report. I hope it's true. I was on the phone this morning to McConnell's office in Washington and also in Louisville. Couldn't get through to either one because their <laughs> phone lines are overwhelmed. So uh, I also sent him an email to let him know that uh, as leader of the Republicans, whatever they are, he needed to uh, withdraw his support for this awful immigration legislation. So I can't take all the credit for him maybe doing that, but it was interesting to see that lots you, of people are calling in. I also contacted uh, Langford's office and uh, left a message for him as well, thanked him for trying to do something about the border, but just said it was just going to worsen it. You're clearly so not alone. Uh, yeah. You, you keep it up. And, and Tillis are against it, so that's a good thing. You keep it. You keep it going, Larry. Thanks very much. Uh, I appreciate your call and your your engagement, which is very, very important at a time like this. I want to very quickly go out to Jane. Uh, Jane, uh, you got about a minute here. Good morning, Vince. I just have a quick comment, and you're welcome to weigh in on it any day this week. Maybe this comment's been made. I really haven't heard it a lot regardless of what is going on with Biden, which is embarrassing. At this point, or even a year ago, as a daughter, as a sister, as a wife, why hasn't the family stepped in and mm, not let mm, him 
mm. personally continue to embarrass himself physically. Yeah. I mean, that really bothers me that that family is so corrupt or money-hungry. They are just letting him totally embarrass himself and really make the aging geriatric population look terrible. Yeah. I'm with you. I hope there are more people like you where the lights start to come on. Thank you for your call. And I hope this realization hits people and they realize this is no longer about politics. This is about Correct. humanity. Humanity. And we can do better. We've got to Correct. do better. And I am, I am the first one to be yep. the drum with who I will vote for and what I want to see happy happen. But yep. this is just beyond terrible. I think that needs to keep being reinforced. Nobody yes. wants to see... A yes. friend, a family member, a stranger. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. God, God right. bless America. May God help us. Uh, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us today. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios.